0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's be seated. We did not get to the, to the good part of the passage that Dee was reading, where jail drives the tent peg through Cicero's head. Wow. How are you going to be celebrating all these great women judges without that part? Um, not being facetious, I'm being like, for real, that's great. It's one of those great passages. Um, we need D was um, probably what he needs to go back up and read again. You have the microphone. Do you want to go read that passage again <laughs> with all those names? Whew. This is why people come up to me and say, "There's no weird names, are there?" And I always look at them like, "There's no weird names in any." Oh, well, this passage has some weird names. <laughs> so there you go. Zephaniah, Zep- 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 the alternate for Zephaniah today. That was that's one of those good. Pre-Thanksgiving passages that you want to read—it's nothing but warm, fuzzy, cozy things. <laughs> um, it really wasn't. If you read Zephaniah. it's not so great. Um, anyway, um, t- today we have the great, the great um, answer uh, in, in our in our uh, collect, the answer to the riddle of what what prayer in the prayer book um, or what what. Uh, Where in the prayer book, what book of the Bible are we most encouraged to read? I screwed this joke completely up, sorry. What book of the Bible are we most encouraged to read in the prayer book? That's the the riddle. The answer is Mark. Read Mark. Learn and really digest. So there you go. That's your dad joke of the day. Did not get that. It's in the college. We thank you for these blessed scriptures. Read Mark. Learn and really digest them. All right. I got a bigger laugh at eight thirty, and there were only four people. There. <laughs> yeah, it's too late. So um, we, we're continuing. We only have we only have two more weeks, counting today. So after today, we only have one more week in our in our sermon series um, of questions, Jesus asks, answers, and avoids. Um, and today's is another is another question, that sort of happens. Within a parable, it's not necessarily a question Jesus asked, but a question that does get asked, and a question that Jesus, frankly, has been answering uh, time and time and time again throughout of um, his entire ministry about who God is and and how we're to respond to God. This parable is is often misinterpreted and. And or misunderstood and or misquoted more more often than not it seems like partly because of that the the word talent which as we've read other parables we know that talent is a unit of, of money right it isn't it isn't gifts and skills that it seems like every time you hear this this parable preachers always like twisted onto God has given you great talents you just wasted them. Um, or something like that this is this is about money It'd be better if it was like bricks of gold right Th- that he gave him five bricks of gold or two bricks of gold or one brick of gold because because it's a lot of money anyway right it's we, a talent is about 20 to 30 um, annual salary years of a da- daily wage earner. so when you're talking about um, you know a denarius, is one day's wage, um, so figure 300 times 20, whatever, 6,000. So a talent's like 6,000 denarii, something like that. So it's a lot of money. So when you're talking about, it, which is why we also get confused when, when he comes back and the master says, you've been faithful in a few things. You mean like a 100 years of my annual salary? Yeah, that's, that's a few things. Um, so I'll put you in charge of many things, but it, I'm getting ahead of myself with that. But 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 it is it is one of the things that makes it confusing. So this is a lot of money, and the master is going away. So that's the first thing. Talents are money. Um, the second thing that often gets missed in this is that this is the master's money, not theirs. Right? And so the master is entrusting these three servants with his money as he goes away. And he's putting them in charge to invest it and, and work it properly um, for him. And so as soon as the servants go out, they're going out um, in the name of the master. Everybody knows when they go to the marketplace or do whatever, that this is the master's money. Nobody is confused that this is their money. They all know Joe. Joe works for you know for the master for for whatever his name is, right? Bob. And it's Bob's money. Everybody knows Bob works for him, so when Joe starts trading, they know it's in the name of Bob. So this is this is the other aspect of, of this. Um, that that we just have to get um, on the table. And the third thing we have to get on the table is, even though we believe that the Bible is true, um, that does not mean that within stories, and within that there aren't scoundrel characters within parables. The older brother in the parable of prodigal son being the best example when he says, um, you know, my brother wasted this son here has Wasted all his money on prostitutes and all these things. That we don't know any of this stuff, and we know older brothers are never necessarily always um, glowing about younger brothers, um, especially when they may be angry at them. Um, they they'd want them to be in trouble, right? So there's always there's always nuance, and we have nuance in this story as well with 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 this third servant. So when we get to that, so. Um, in, in some ways, math, in Luke's gospel is a little bit is a little bit um, better at the at the at making it more explicit what's <coughs> as being asked. They both also sort of this ask the same question when the master says um, when he settles accounts with them. But in but in Luke's gospel, it actually says, um, "Show me your show me an account of your stewardship," which basically means. Let me see all the transactions, right? It's sort of like when you get your you get the the tax form at the end of the year for all your stock thing, and it gives every little stupid sale that you like. Nobody cares about the seventy. Maybe somebody cares, but most people don't care about the all of the various transactions that have been made. You want to know what your what your bottom line is. How much money do you? Uh, how much money is there? Thing the little boxes, right? But, but this is what the king is asking for. He wants all the ticks. What did you do in my name? Let me see a count of your stewardship. You know, and it might be, you know, you bought so many goats and so many cows, and then you went to this person, you sold those goats, and you sold those cows, and then you went over here, and you did this, and you did this, and all through the thing, there's over, to, to double five talents over who knows how many years it was that the master was gone, Um, took took a lot of transactions. And this is what the master is looking for. And again, he says, you were faithful in a few things. You only made me a hundred years of your annual salary. That's just a little bit. Not much at all. But now, because you're faithful in that, I'll put you in charge of much, so Jesus obviously sort of putting money in proper perspective as well, right? When in in a culture where we're always shocked, we've already had the passage of 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 uh, it's too bad, rich man. It's easier for. Um, camel to go through the eye of a needle, than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God and everybody is just, their jaws hit the floor because rich people are obviously blessed by God. That's why they're rich. Um, here in this parable Jesus is saying this part, this making all the money part, that's not the important part. That was just a little test to see how faithful you could be. Now I'll put you in charge of many things. What those things are, I don't know, but. And then the second slave comes back and the same thing happens, right? He doubles the money. He had two talents, he makes two talents more. Two bricks of gold makes two more bricks of gold, for lack of a (laughs) better term, right? And then there's the one servant who had um, one and here comes our question, right? He had he had he had taken. I did miss the part that they immediately went out and started trading, which immediately went out in the name of master. So that's an important part. And and so here's the third serpent, who goes and he hides. He digs a hole and hides and buries the money. Um, we don't know why he buries the money. There's 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 really only two options. One. Um, lots of people go on journeys. Sometimes they don't come back. They don't come back. Guess what you have? Nice talent silver right here. Um, right? Um, probably retire on that. You know, leave town, head to Egypt. Who knows? Live live great the rest of your life. Um, but also... Um, even, even, even taking him sort of, kind of, at his his word a little bit, as we see, he he just was was too um, afraid to do anything. He's just gripped with fear. So he's either greedy or he has, um, or he's afraid. And the most important aspect is what that what that fear really does and what it means. Because what he says is, I knew you. I knew you. Uh, you're a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow, gathering where you didn't scatter seed. I was afraid and went not hit it in the ground. And so the master says, "You wicked and slothful servant, if you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gathered where I scattered no seed, then you ought to have at least invested my money with the bankers, which would have been one tick on the stewardship." Thing, right? I mean, you may get the statement that has interest every month, but really you're just getting one tip, you did one thing, you made a deposit. And at least it would have shown up that you did something, but instead you did nothing. But really, really the question is, because um, this, this is the other part that sometimes gets completely uh, misinterpreted, which is, that the master's admitting this, right? He's not admitting to be a hard man, reaping where he doesn't sow, and, uh, you know, harvesting where he doesn't scatter his seed. He's just saying, if this is what you think of me, then this is what you should have done. If this is how you think about me, if you thought I was a hard man who did these sort of things, then you should have done this. I mean, where in fact, this is not the person, the best character witness anyway, because he just got caught. And so, I don't know, we we have lots of retired teachers, we have lots of present teachers, all sorts of things. I don't know how many different excuses you've heard for why you haven't done your homework, or why you didn't study, but my guess is they're mostly somewhere along the lines of this. You, I know I knew how you grade. Usually, you give bonus points. Where they're this, like, I don't know, but there's all sorts of excuses. For those of you who were teenagers or had teenagers, you could probably think of a time where one of these things happened as well—of why you didn't get a car, or why you came home late, or why X, Y, Z. There's a billion of these things out there. The, all, the long and the short of it is. You're not really the best character witness. You're making excuses, and you're setting up a scenario. And more importantly, what Jesus is saying, and he has been saying through this whole aspect is, if you see God as this way, then you're going to be paralyzed by living into the true faith of the kingdom of God. If you see God as somebody just waiting to zap you, then you're going to be paralyzed with living into the kingdom of God. Do you see God as one who gives you everything and then wants you to do everything with those things, a God who's given you grace and love and peace and forgiveness? kingdom of God where God has blessed you richly with everything and has given you new life? Or do you see God as one that you have to appease through sacrifice and offering and the law and behavior and if you step out of line that you're going to be squashed like a bug? Because Jesus says, for that, within this parable, you will be thrown out to the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Which in parable, the word is like hyperbole, which just means really bad stuff is going to happen. Right? Really bad stuff is going to happen. And really bad stuff does happen spiritually to you if you have a theology of God being this type of God. A God who's the judge that's just waiting to come down hard upon you not a God who's drawing you into relationship, who wants to make you uh, a, uh, a child of inheritance, one who's going to inherit the kingdom of God, one who's going to be a royal priest, one who's going to be a living stone in the temple of God. If you don't see God in this way, a God who sends his one and only son to the world to bring forth life the world, who came as he said, not to judge the world, but to save. It. If you don't respond in this, like the first two servants, but respond like the third, in fear and in trembling, then you'll be in pain then it'll be horrible because you can never live up to that God. You'll never be perfect. You'll never do all the right things and give all the right offerings and all right sacrifices and all the right everything. And living as a servant of that God, you just feel like they're a hard person. This is um, the reality that Jesus is trying to break down here as he's talking about the kingdom of God. And we're now to about the end of his ministry, right? This is the last weeks in the temple. He's going to be arrested in two days. Jesus is saying, kingdom of God. like this I'm going away but I'm going to leave you the spirit I'm going to leave you everything, everything I have I'm going to entrust you and you can use it this way or you can use it this way right and we see in Thessalonians when we read that passage um, the same sort of of anxiety that's, that's in the readers there what Paul is writing to. Say you don't have to worry about all this stuff. right? You're having anxiety also about the day of judgment and the day of this and the day of that. But you are children of light. You have the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of salvation. You have been blessed and so build one another up encourage one another as you've been doing and this really is probably I think one of the best the best um, sort of applications for the church that, that exists in, you know in, in Paul's readings there's all sorts of all sorts of ways that we respond to God's love and to God's faith and, and the rest but I think this one when we're in the church what, what should we do we should build one another up should encourage one another as we've been doing, like a continuous reality of of this is how we live. When someone is down, we lift them up. Right? We encourage, we bless, we support, we love. That extends to reaching out as well into the world, but it's but it's being a vessel of God's grace and love. And ultimately, that's what this passage, this parable, is about for the most part. Everything we've had from the Master has been given to us. How do we respond with that stewardship? How do we respond to be a vessel of God's grace and God's love? And too often times, this parable spins out of control into on the stewardship parable, on the stewardship sermon, because it's stewardship season. It's like, okay, so how can we do it? But it's not really that at all. This isn't about about, um, how much money to give to the church, because if you're using this parable, basically the answer is all of it, because it isn't yours anyway. Right? That's not what we're talking about. Yes, we want to respond as good stewards, understanding that God has given us everything. But more importantly, we want to understand who God is. We have a God who brings forth life and love and grace. A God who's not looking to zap us. Who's not a harsh man. But one who doesn't bind us, but sets us free. And this is the joy of the kingdom of God and the joy of the life that we have. And as we come to next week, Christ the King, and then into the season of Advent where we start the story of the Christian life all over again, we get to this end part sort of right here of who God is and what we are called to, to encourage, to support, to love. embrace the love and joy of God and being that vessel. Amen.